0: Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Right Behind Us. I'm your host, Brandon Daniel, of the Seattle band BD and the Sheiks. Today, I got to speak with John and Luke from the band Great Good Fine Okay. Uh, They're from Brooklyn, and they tell me a little bit about their story starting out in Brooklyn, how they reluctantly stumbled backwards, if you will, into a band. I don't know if I'd say reluctantly, but they put one song together and then oh okay let's do another one and and that all got rolling and uh, we talk about that, how uh, John goes about writing the instrumental music for the band and and how Luke goes about uh, layering his vocals and his, local, his vocal style um, for this band being completely unique to it for him for a first time. A lot of great conversation in this one, I actually really enjoyed these guys. As there are some people, it's just a pleasant surprise um, how nice it is to talk with them and find out about uh, their process and, and what's behind their music. Um, these guys pretty much kill it live. It's a very fun, danceable uh, synth-pop band, and um, I was excited to uh, discover them and, and then get to talk with them about their process again. So that's what we're getting into we'll get into their song in a minute Uh, before we do it's been a very busy week Uh, just getting back off of a couple of weeks off this summer I am getting into uh, the final stages of releasing BD and the Sheiks' new singles new summer singles starting with our song do it to death which uh, music video is coming out for uh, that song on the 29th the day that we have our record release at Numos on Capitol Hill here in Seattle with the Hoot Hoots, The West, and our buddy DJ Gugu. Uh, We're gonna be debuting the music video um, again on the same day as the show, so that also means we'll be debuting the music video at the show, which is gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm really looking forward to everybody getting to experience it. So come out and uh, it's 10 bucks It's a great deal because it's an amazing show and we just wanted to keep the uh, ticket prices low but speaking of prices let's get to our sponsor for today blumenstein audio check out blumenstein audio for the ultimate fidelity single driver speakers subwoofers and audio accessories for music lovers blumenstein has been delivering their killer line of speakers here in seattle since 2006 made of bamboo and birch woods they even have a new line coming out with a new wood that they're going to be using for this new series of speakers. Check them out at Blumenstein Audio. That's B L U M E N S T E I N audio.com. All right, now for great, good, fine, okay. so is this your first west coast tour or
1: it's our first uh headline west coast tour oh cool um
2: we've been, been here like th- two or three other times uh-huh three 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 yeah Betty Who,
0: Magic Man and
2: Vacationer. vacationer.
0: Those are the bands the that you, bands uh, we the opened room. for, yeah. And were those um how did that all shake out?
1: It was great. Um, I mean, like we just started touring mm-hmm. about a year and a half ago. huh And so we were super lucky to to get on these these tours totally. so early in our career and with bands that we were big fans of. So
0: Yeah. Um
1: Yeah, it was awesome.
0: Were they, uh, did they invite you out or was it like a label thing where it was like, uh, yeah.
1: You never really know how it happens, actually. It's <laughs> like, I feel like there's like so many things that go into it. Between
0: there's so like much luck. Managers yeah. and
1: booking agents and whatever else. So yeah. who knows what the actual like thing was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh, a bigger band will be friends with another group and be like, yeah, We on, didn't know this. any of them. Yeah, totally. These are weren't friends before, mm-hmm. of but you made good road buddies and yeah, totally totally. admired uh, totally. each other's work. We and did all that. really like all of them. Yeah,
1: we I think yeah we became friends with all of them.
0: That's good because sometimes it's, you know it could go the other way. Yeah, <laughs> especially on the road. You know, like I, I'm. I feel like every time you're either on the road or you're playing with a with a, an act that's on the road. I love your cell phone case. Oh, thank you, a Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> right. um, You know, you end up having a conversation with a band in trouble (laughs) by, like, one member being, you know, distraught, Oh, (laughs) you know, halfway through two weeks in or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I
2: think we've been lucky enough to avoid any sort of, like, interpersonal dynamics that are troublesome like that, Mm -hmm. but we have had, like, other things go wrong. Like, this last tour we did, we um, rented a Sprinter from basically like some acquaintances of ours in New York mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and by the time we got to Seattle it was just totally broken down like and we couldn't get it fixed because it was just too expensive <sighs> so we ended up having to like basically leave it here
0: so it was just a rental though right
1: well it was our friend's van oh that he owned. yeah um and so we it would the tour went to Florida to Texas and then yeah. around mm-hmm. and in that time span, we got it fixed what five different times. Spent probably kept, kept
2: trying to like get these things fixed to like didn't totally fix
1: it. Spent over yeah. five thousand dollars, like, spent more than we were even going to pay That's our friends for the van. Yeah, and then you could yeah, buy Ironically, we ended up giving up in Seattle and we left it here. And rented another van to drive home. <laughs> and actually,
2: um, a good friend of mine, Andrew Vate, who's in a band called Sisters, based out of yeah, Seattle, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. he had a van, he, we were staying with him, and he was like, hey, you know, I know you guys have this Vancouver show tomorrow, just take my van up there, uh-huh. and sort this out, and we were like, oh man, thank you.
0: What ended up happening to that van since we uh, had to leave it? It's actually
1: funny you ask because we just left it and we were kind of like, you know, we're like done, we're not going to think about it anymore. And uh-huh. months passed and we were like, what happened? Did they get it? Didn't he get it? And like we figured they just left it because it was totaled. Uh-huh. I actually found out like a month ago that he ended up selling it. <laughs> he ended up, I think he got like a thousand bucks for it <laughs>
2: or something.
0: Was it an Astro van? Um. Uh, what was it like? GMC. Oh, it was 7? a Sprinter. Oh, it was a it Sprinter. Was a Dodge. Yeah, it was oh, a, you said that already. Yeah, That's it was right.
2: a like Mercedes Dodge. That's
0: surprising. They're like crazy reliable. Yeah, well, it like... was like a two
2: thousand one. It had mm-hmm. probably two hundred and sixty thousand miles on it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah,
0: not in the best shape. Is that the end of its row? Yeah. Uh, we had a, 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 I had a similar experience with a, with an Astro van. That's why I asked. I think those Chevy vehicles suck, but, um, and it was, uh, we had to go down South by Southwest and you know, when you're driving that corridor, uh, through New Mexico, have you done that one where it's like danger, high winds. Yeah. Yeah. This in thing like was desert. totally top heavy and, yeah. and you had to do, you had to do that kind of cartoon driving to mm-hmm. keep it going straight, yeah. you know, especially, and, uh, and then it finally broke down. That was the scariest part going through that high wind area. Um, but then it broke down in LA and it broke down in the parking garage underneath the hotel. And we were <laughs> like, Oh you know like that's a even worse situation than normal and then uh luckily one guy in the band our drummer knows his way around cars mm-hmm. and um he's like just go leave and I'll just I'll, I'm going to start taking things apart and so he did and we came back like 15 minutes later and all it was was just a connection to the battery wow and thank god cuz you know you crazy. feel you feel stranded yeah it's a scary feeling you know having your transportation on the fritz at least oh, that was yeah. a chevy
2: though you could take it to like any chevy place that's if true you need to look at it but the thing with this is like mercedes dealers didn't want to look at it no dodge dealers didn't want to look at it <laughs> like you had to take it to like a freightliner place that like specifically yeah. works on sprinters even though it's like says dodge yeah on the front and like the <laughs> engine has like a mercedes logo on it yeah they just like won't work on it that's so
0: bizarre i think <laughs> they like know how much of a pain in the ass <laughs> That's so bizarre. I've heard nothing but good things about those vehicles, so it's really surprising that that thing had so many troubles for you. Um, well, cool van talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could go on and on about it too. Oh man, we have stories. But I think, yeah. especially like man. when you play a show and you meet other bands or whatever, it's a pretty common part of uh, a band talk. Sure, you know, yeah, is like transportation and what's well. Going because wrong. in
1: what other like business do you have to be in a different city every night mm-hmm. and you're relying on a, this mode of transportation? It's like if something goes wrong, it it ruins your whole operation. Yeah, you
0: know? it's like, yeah. Well, and it's it's such a strange. Uh, I I kind of go back to this word. It's such a strange vulnerability that you have as a group. You know, um, traveling with this you know, uh like you said, a very important uh uh momentum and yet at the same time you you feel like, is is this gonna work out? It yeah. almost feel like a kid again, you know, like I hope somebody knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um well one of the things I, I think this is a pretty pedestrian uh question, but it, you're watching you guys perform there one of the things that kind of popped into my mind was how did these guys find each other because um there's a great amount of intricacy going on in, in your performance between you know uh people playing multiple instruments you know in a set and um all of that so what what is that story about how you guys found each other
1: I'll, I'll start start it with how we met, and then you can take it from how we met everyone else. We <laughs> <laughs> start with the two of you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, um, Luke was living around the corner from me in Brooklyn mm-hmm. with this guy, Dominic, who at the time was the piano player in the band I was doing back then, which mm-hmm. was a singer-songwriter thing that was just like called my name. Um, and so I would go over there to work with this guy, and so I met Luke that way. Um, ironically, Luke is from upstate New York, where I'm from, only 20 or 30 minutes away from where I'm from. What part? Um, I'm from a town called Niskayuna, which is near Schenectady, Mm -hmm. and he's from Saratoga Springs. Um, and we didn't know each other, though, up there. Mm -hmm. We only met when we were around the corner from each other in Brooklyn. Uh, and then, as the story goes, you know, we had said to each other we should work together and do, write something together sometime and collaborate, and then... Mm -hmm. One night we ran into each other on the street and sort of said that, and that night he sent me um, music he had created, um, and that night I wrote some lyrics and melodies to it, and it ended up being You're the One for Me, Yeah. Which was oh, our cool. first song.
0: Yeah, that was a great song. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I mean, both of us were busy doing our own things, and we had no intention of like starting a band together. That wasn't like what our talk was. Right. But then we started writing together, and we realized it really did click. Um and so, that's kind of how it all started. Mm-hmm. And then Luke kind of put the band together. Yeah, I mean, so I
0: um, went to music school. I studied jazz. Oh, okay. At um, NYU? No,
2: at University of Miami, Okay. actually. Uh, so, I studied uh, jazz drum set and piano and vibraphone and all that. And was kind of like teaching myself how to do production and engineering and all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Just because it was something I was really into. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for years and years I was just playing in other people's bands and kind of, like, was getting into doing music for commercials and that kind of thing, doing, like, electronic production and stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, I was kind of doing all that, just making tracks for fun, and then, you know, one of these was one of the ones that I sent to John for that song. And then it was like, oh, well, why? I guess, like, we got to start a band now. <laughs> <laughs> well we
1: kind of like wrote that song we were like well let's see if we can do it again and we kept mm-hmm. writing and we wrote uh not going home was the second song we wrote and we're like mm, that's really good too
0: and then we kind of <laughs> just kept writing uh and how long ago was that it was a couple of years ago
2: this was like three years ago
0: wow yeah so everything is still pretty darn new
1: yeah it's funny too because like three years feels like a long time. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. Like sometimes people will ask me and like, I'll still be like, yeah, we've been a band for about a year. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, we haven't. It's been like three years. That's what it feels
0: like. Uh, Touring speeds up time too. Totally. You know, like that makes you, you can go through like a two week tour and feel like, you know, you were out uh, of of the real world for six months. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you bond. Um, but, So, how did you put together the band? I mean, what was your...
2: Um, Well, yeah, I mean, basically, I just kind of pulled from my guys who I had been making music with in Mm -hmm. the past. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just all, like, friends, I guess.
0: Which is extraordinarily useful. I mean, did you find that the Brooklyn atmosphere of artists and musicians was... uh, a big part of why you were able to uh, put well, together? Well, weirdly, it kind of
2: didn't even come out of that. It was mm. more all these people that I went to school with.
0: Mm. That's um, interesting.
2: Who all had just also moved up to New York. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like my core, like, group is people who I also went to school with.
0: I've had a couple of um, Brooklyn artists uh, in through here before. Um, and one of the things I'm always interested about Brooklyn artists is, like, is it a scene that you actually feel, like, a vital part of, like, you feel involved in it, or is it, um, not?
2: I kind of feel like there's sort of, like, a Brooklyn scene that maybe exists, like, outside of whatever, like, mm. our little bubble is, that, like, we're not super involved in. But with. maybe that's how everyone feels. I think so. It's, it's
1: funny, it's like, there's definitely a thing about Brooklyn, since there are so many musicians and artists there. Yeah. But... It, Brooklyn's huge, and there's so many bands, and so you. I don't know if I feel like there's one scene that everybody's part of. It's like yeah. everybody has their cliques within Brooklyn. I think the thing that's special about Brooklyn, though, is just that there are so many working artists yeah. and probably more successful musicians in Brooklyn than most other cities, mm-hmm. and so just that fact can motivate you to work harder and to want to succeed. Yeah. You know, yeah, maybe that's kind of what that Brooklyn vibe is when people talk about it. It's just this like, you know, place where if you want to be seen, you got to be really, you got to be at the top of your game because there's yeah. so many artists who are working super hard.
0: Well, and Luke, you said were you um, were you doing these uh, music compositions for uh, advertisements? Mm-hmm. Were you doing that as like a, a source of revenue, like to live mm-hmm. off of? Yeah, totally. that was your that was your day job, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. And then what what were you up to, John, before? Well,
1: I I've I've had like nine lives when it comes mm. to like working stuff. Like, I actually went to college for film and television. Oh, cool. Um, while while always pursuing music, I've been. Where did you go? Boston University. Oh, okay, nice. <clears throat> yeah, good school. Um, thanks. Mm. So right when I graduated, I like um, was working in film production and worked for like a lot of reality shows and stuff like that. Really. <clears throat> and. I was doing music on the on side. On the East and, Coast? Yeah, all
0: in New York. Because uh-huh. I have a buddy who does that down in L.A. Yeah. Like,
1: oh, it's a thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. You get in that world and you could just, it's like a black hole. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, he, like, wants to work less. I realized
1: really quickly it wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then at a certain point I realized I wanted to pursue music more full time. And so mm-hmm. I kind of dropped out of that and started doing, like, the waitering and catering and temping thing yeah. for a while, mm-hmm. which you know is a, its own kind of nightmare. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy I did it because I, I do think it's like yeah. a good experience for anyone to like do that stuff and work in like the service industry and yeah, like, and it's like probably it, not made something made you're gonna do again. And better, purpose. yeah. Oh, hope knock on wood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But I hope yeah. not. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I've had like a million different like whatever jobs. Sure. Um, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, were you? I mean, this is kind of uh, this is a a, definitely like an like artist uh, question, but were you as a writer? uh, Were you writing then and going through those uh, experiences? Were you always thinking about writing? Where where was your head at before, like pre the the band? Well, yeah, I mean, like
1: I was very much like the take a notepad with me everywhere kind mm-hmm. of writer mm-hmm. since I was really young mm-hmm. and would write lyrics for all, all the time and mm-hmm. write songs. And when I was doing singer songwriter stuff, it was much more like honest, emotional, like four verse kind of songs. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of lyrics <laughs> that don't sound great, but <laughs> very honest and emotional. And that's kind of, I, I wasn't concerned with like uh, making, Like commercially popular music, I think for a long time, and then I like, then I started thinking about that, and it wasn't quite right either. I don't know, like, I, yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but um, I've always been writing, yeah, and now writing for this band, it's the same but Mm -hmm. a little different because I was always writing the music and the lyrics together, kind of, Mm -hmm. and now Luke makes the music, yeah, pretty much exclusively. So it gives me the freedom to just uh, focus on the lyrics and melody, yeah. which is what I consider myself the best at. Right. Um, and that's actually allowed me to write better lyrics and stuff.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. Limitations that we set for ourselves in a, a writing realm it can be uh, yeah. actually super inspirational mm-hmm. you know, and cause more creative thought than, I've got to do everything.
1: Yeah. You know, which is interesting,
0: though, because, I mean, I get from your story, Luke, and then um, and kind of your overall demeanor about, you know, music, that um, you're kind of the opposite. You're one of those guys who could probably layer and tweak and work at a tune forever. Totally, Because yeah. you enjoy all that, and yeah. I've known a ton of guys that are like that, especially producers who are musicians, usually. Yeah, maybe.
2: it's definitely something you can just get lost in and keep chipping away at but mm-hmm. one thing I'm trying to be better at is just like having like more of a solid like intention from the start of something mm-hmm. and then just trying to like do it like just execute it as quickly as possible you Yeah, know
0: what I mean? Yeah. Do you find that your tunes are changing a lot when the band gets together and you you know are kind of uh, you're going through a new tune?
2: Um... Not too much, no. I mean, it definitely, like, comes to life in a way that it doesn't on the recording, but we stay pretty faithful to the recordings.
0: Well, how do you negotiate that, too, since you are building these tracks, Mm -hmm. um, instrumentally and, uh, I assume, you know, in large part electronically? Mm -hmm. Um, how do you split up your duties once you get, you know, to, to the players in the band once you you get everybody together? Well, it's,
2: it's sort of just like, how are we going to make, how are we going to like play this and have it sound like that Mm -hmm. as much as we can, I Mm -hmm. guess. So it's like, you know, we have a computer that runs backing tracks Mm. and I guess I try to have as little stuff on there as possible, but. You know, sometimes there's stuff that just has to go on there, like if it's a really sequenced synth part that needs to be totally locked into the metronome, or like, you know, just stuff that would be impossible to actually play. Yeah. And then, I guess from there, it's just like, what, you know, so I have this thing called a mallet cat, which is like a mallet MIDI percussion controller. Uh Uh-huh. And it's like a keyboard, but, you know, you hit it with sticks or mallets. I saw that in your... Video. So, yeah, yeah. I have these light-up, Danny, our drummer, found these light-up sticks, and uh-huh. I just, like, ordered a bunch of them,
0: and they look great, so you just, like... My son got those at Disneyland. Nice. Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're super fun. They feel really, they don't feel like normal drumsticks at all, but...
0: It's like uh, uh, playing basketball with a bouncy ball yeah, instead totally. of... Yeah, <laughs> totally. The balance is all weird, because there's, like, a battery at the end,
2: and it's, like, not, I don't know. But anyway, it's like, so I think, like, what is going to look cool being played on that? Like, mm-hmm. are there any, like, sounds that really stick out to, like, that would lend themselves to that? Because I don't yeah. write on that. Yeah. But, so it's kind of, it's like this weird, like, reverse engineering of, like, how <laughs> are we going to, like, pull this off in a different way than it was created? You
0: know? Yeah, I've never, that's a cool first. I've never heard anyone, you know, consider what's going, or at least talk about What's gonna look cool with these <laughs> drumsticks like that? I know. I think that's really neat. Like maybe there's some part that's like really playable, but it's
2: just like not like super present in the track, mm-hmm. or it's like wouldn't be that visually compelling to like watch somebody just like play this little keyboard part. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's like, yeah, def- definitely think about that. Um, when did you, John? I, ma- I imagine when you when you you uh, guys got this off the ground that there was some that you, you probably kind of came around to figuring out what genre of music you guys were considering yourself at that moment. You know, it's not like all of a sudden we're gonna go balls to the wall and and you know, uh, make a heavy rock tune when you're when you're creating these sweet love song dance, you know tracks what did you uh at what point did you guys sort of define your sound
1: it's it's funny because i still am not quite sure what genre we are yeah i'm, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I'm a it's like you know more. we say synth pop but there's definitely elements of r&b in it mm. um and there's definitely there are songs that are straight up pop in yeah. my opinion yeah. you know it, you could even take the synth part off of it and i think it works um so I don't know, I think we're actually still exploring, like, the, the like, uh, the spectrum of which we can, you know, go and expand, right? We're still, mm-hmm. we're still trying to kind of figure out, like, how far our sound can go and the limitations.
2: Um, it sort of became like, you know, we put out You're the One for Me and I was like, okay, like, what does this, what, like
0: are the other songs by this band mm-hmm. going to sound like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have, like, aspirations? Of, this might be a stupid question, but, like, do you have aspirations to, like, do a heavier, darker tune? Or is it just like, well, this the feel for this group is seems like it's pretty linear?
2: You know, I think we've tried some other stuff like that, and it's just sort of like, for whatever reason, it just doesn't feel as, like authentic and, like, Mm -hmm. fully realized as the stuff that we end up, you know, committing to finishing and putting out. Yeah. So it's, like, I guess it's, we sort of just end up finishing the stuff that we like, which ends up being, like, kind of in sort of a same, a similar vein Mm and vibe. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting,
1: because Luke is creating the music on his own, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, creating it with whatever inspiration he's feeling at that time and then he sends it to me and I don't know what he was going through mm-hmm. and then I write lyrics and melodies to it about stuff that I'm feeling at the time and one day those two things might align and sound totally different uh-huh then they have in the past and if it's good it's good yeah and we would release it you know and then maybe that would people would be like oh this isn't you know it's I don't think either of us are trying to stay within lines, really. Uh But then, like he said, the stuff we like the most ends up kind of being within those lines.
0: Well, it's interesting that you brought that up. It makes me wonder, like, have you guys had a moment when, um, Luke, you create a track, and maybe you have an idea of, like, what what kind of vocals are going to fit on this. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, John sends you what, what he put on it, and it's... Fits it. It's like exactly what you thought it should be. Uh, not just like oh this yeah this is cool this works but like holy crap that's exactly times what it's I thought. The other way right
1: you kind of have an idea of what it should be and then I send you something and it's not quite what you <laughs> <laughs> what you envisioned.
2: Um, some have definitely been like that though. Like uh, or at least have been you know pretty minimal like back and forth. Yeah. Like you're the one for me was kind of just like,
0: psh, mm-hmm. you just yeah. kind of wrote it. Everything fit. Yeah. Right uh, away.
1: Something to believe in was like that. I remember you really
2: liked what I did right away. Um.
0: Then we ended up like changing the verses. The verse, yeah, yeah. But starting at the oh
2: like, yeah.
0: Also, like melodically, changing the verses.
2: Um. I think that was you. You were just like, wow, I hate these
0: verses.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We had these verses, yeah, up until we were in the studio finishing the song to give to our label we were on at the time. And I decided these stink. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I just went ape on it and like um, in an hour rewrote all the lyrics and melody of the verses. And... And they were a lot better. And that was also the exact same session where we decided to ask um, Jean from St. Lucia if he would sing (laughs) that Uh bridge part. We were like, yeah, something about that song. We like knew it could be better in certain ways. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so. Yeah, it sucks to finish uh, work in the studio only to realize by the mixing point that you no longer want to release the song. Yeah. That just happened to me this year.
1: We've never quite gotten there. I think we kind of like nip
0: that in the bud pretty quick. You have to, yeah. yeah. And it can cause some f- like cool writing that you end up being surprisingly proud right, of. Right, right. Because, well, because we, it, we you know. would just
1: won't release anything that we don't love.
0: Yeah. We won't do it.
1: So yeah. if we hadn't, if I hadn't thought of good new lyrics and melodies for that song... And I felt bad about those verses. We might never have released that song, you know? We were always feeling weird about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But luckily, you know,
2: it came together. (laughs) Take it or leave it came together pretty quickly, too. Yeah. I think it was, like, at least in terms of, like, what the melody was. Like, you kind of wrote the verse in the pre-chorus, and then I think you had an idea on the chorus, and that was, like... (laughs) Oh, what if you just change that and make it, like, a little more, like, longer and...
1: Yeah, you were like, what if there were, like, some longer notes on the chorus? And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so, like, I went back and, like, tried another idea. And then, this is funny that this happens often, that, like, the stuff that ends up being our best stuff, when I do it, I am not, like, immediately, like, this is it! I came to Luke, and I'm like, how about this? And I think you said to me, like... Because he could tell I wasn't, like, in love with it. I Uh think you were like, what don't you like about it? (laughs) And, like, I didn't know whether that meant that he hated it or loved it. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. What don't you love about it? And I guess what that meant was that you did love it. (laughs) But you could tell I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then, yeah, that chorus was just, like, he was like, what if we repeat
0: this part and, like, move this part? And it was like, great. And then it was that. It was that. Uh, I love that you guys just used uh, the the word the term uh, pre-chorus. The wonderful technical terms that we use for oh, the songwriting.
2: All about the pre-chorus. <laughs> pre-chorus is cool, it like definitely like forces your mind into like thinking about a section of the song in a certain yeah. way. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, I don't know. That's the tricky thing about like song forms and like. Naming each of the components of the song.
0: Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, especially like, when there's an instrumental break. Yeah. You know, like that's the, can be the trickiest thing to define. You know, we. Is this <laughs> a re intro or an <laughs> yeah. interlude? Or yes, like, yes. Is this a secondary hook? <laughs>
2: we have one song where, like, there's like. So, by my side, there's like verse. There's like two halves to a verse mm. kind of thing, like a verse mm-hmm. A and a verse B. Which you could consider the pre-chorus. Right, but then, like, so it goes verse A, verse B, chorus, and then verse 2A, verse 2B, and then there's, like, this pre-chorus thing that happens only on that second verse yeah, before the second chorus. But it's, like, if you called the second part of the verse a pre-chorus, then, like, you'd have to call that, like, yeah.
1: The bridge or something? I think we ran into that issue once. Yeah. Where he asked me to, like, redo,
2: like, the pre-chorus, and I thought he meant to <laughs> thing or so something. It's like it's only the other part of the song. <laughs>
0: yeah. Because uh, then there
2: is, like, another, like, bridge section of the song after that chorus, like, oh. traditionally where the bridge would be. Is this a long
0: song? Like, a four minute?
2: Yeah, it's like yeah. a four. Yeah. Four or five. Four minute. It's it's actually funny. because I
1: think that that song is more complex than any song we would write in the future don't you probably (laughs) i think we sometimes it feels like it's a mistake (laughs) that a song was so complicated it's cool too because like people love that song and people Mm -hmm. get so into it it's one of our like more successful like live tunes Uh uh-huh but yeah like we would never write a song that complex now i think our right now we're all about like simple simple like yeah yeah too many melodies you don't like too many melodies but like that song has like a million melodies (laughs) You know what I love it, so I don't who the, who the hell knows the sometimes
0: trumpets. writing a song with a simplistic, uh repetitive chorus it is the most challenging thing to do, yeah, like it seems like it's the dumbest, easiest thing to do. i I don't find that to be true at all, you know, unless maybe to find something that's like good
2: enough to repeat <laughs> yeah. like that,
0: yeah, yeah, and maybe in like a singer songwriter, you know, acoustic guitar. Way that could be easier, but I don't know. It's like you, it's something you have to either stumble backwards into. I don't or think it's ever consciously. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, to find yeah, that it was hook.
1: it was late in my
0: life that I learned the art of repeating a phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I think I was like 27 when I decided I have to focus on. Pop song structure, yeah, I need to I thought I was in I thought I was into it, but I wasn't I gotta mm. study it
1: it's funny too like I don't know why because even as a little kid, I was a huge beatles fan yeah and I had good taste in music and I never like from the age of like nine to like seventeen listen to a Beatles song and, like, was, like, this is how you write a pop song, I, like, never did that. Yeah. So, like, my songs didn't sound like Beatles Mm songs, even though I knew they were the best songwriters, you know? Yeah. I think that
2: started happening for me, like, as soon as I was playing in other people's bands and just, Mm -hmm. like, you know, communicating the different parts of the song to one another and being, like, oh, like, verse, chorus, like... Yeah. What are are we doing here? Yeah. So, like... You know, as soon as that seed is planted, you start seeing that in everything that you listen to. I
0: guess. Yeah. Um, well, and I like the 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 way that you're writing like alone first, get the track right, and then bring it to the band. Sometimes, I mean, the the democracy mm-hmm. uh, can be defeating. You know where um, y- you give uh, another band member too much power, and they're like, "I hate doing this." You know, bridge. You're know, mm. like, but that bridge fits perfectly if it you take it away the whole thing falls apart like no I just don't like this song then you know and it, it yeah. starts to poison the water yeah so sometimes it's nece- uh, a necessary evil if you will to like you know have that command of the song to be able to bring it up can't have in.
2: too many cooks in the kitchen
0: yeah it's tricky it's tricky and then bands are always going to be tricky because somebody should have their point of view and mm-hmm. it should be respected Sometimes you just don't want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm glad.
1: We We've got been it. doing, like, a lot of these <laughs> writing sessions with different artists. Uh-huh. Um, that's, like, a really popular thing to do within our genre of music right now. Right. And it's really fun. I mean, mm-hmm. we get to work with people who are great, and it's awesome to see what kind of songs um, get created when you're, like, combining different, like, worlds. Yeah. But it can be a little tricky, you know, to have... A, another cook in the kitchen um who's you know who you need to respect what they want to do as well and especially writing lyrics because I've always mm. just written lyrics on my own mm. um but I don't know but it's good if you can like embrace that
0: yeah I did one of those things for Disney um and it was a du- it was a duet with a female artist and she came over here Sat down it was definitely my first working that way. Yeah, with like somebody you, you don't even know. Yeah, it's just like trying to make a song from scratch out of yeah.
2: nowhere. It's like... out of
0: nowhere. It's more mysterious than writing the song yourself. Yeah, for sure. It's like dating or something almost. <laughs> yeah, there's an intimacy to it.
2: Like it's you don't know if sure. you're gonna click with the other person or not.
0: Yeah, and you have to do it despite that. Yeah, you know, regardless of of you got to make a baby regardless of the, <laughs> the <laughs> desire, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am interested in one, one thing though, when, when hearing your music, w- was it just the feel of, of the track that, uh, Luke was, was, uh, giving you that made you go falsetto? When did you discover That's a good your question? Falsetto? Yeah.
1: Like, um, Previously in my life, I've never sang a song all in falsetto. That never occurred to me to do that. Yeah. I never thought that would be a, tough. a good idea. Yeah. I never yeah. thought that would be a cool thing to do. <laughs> right. For some reason, when I heard that music, I just started singing the melody in falsetto. Mm. And I sang the whole song like that.
0: That's and nuts. And that's
1: just what happened. And I don't know what inspired me to do that. Um. It just happened.
0: Are you, have you found that it's, especially on tour... Straining that it could weirdly enough,
1: it is less straining for me hmm. than singing full voice. Wow, and I think because I'm singing actually quieter when I'm singing falsetto. Yeah, um, yeah, like when I was singing full voice, I was doing a lot of belting, mm-hmm. a lot of like you know, you know what it's like when you're just like shouting to hit the highest note do a lot with it. falsetto, I can hit extremely high notes with yeah.
0: very little effort. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? I noticed you 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 actually sing, uh, in your per- live performance, like loosely, and you even like cocked your head back a, a bit, which I found surprising because it can that, that can be harder to get that that falsetto in there. For instance, like if I if I just hunch over, that's where I have my strongest amount of that's falsetto. That's interesting. I actually have
1: found the opposite. So that's kind of like if one. And yeah. if you like. I've taken, like, one, like, vocal lesson in my whole life, which was, <laughs> yeah. like, a few months ago. <laughs> but, right. Um, but a vocal teacher will tell you to always have your head straight, like.
0: Yeah. And
1: I do tend to go up because it's actually easier for me to sing that way. Uh-huh. Um, but you're not supposed to.
0: That's, like, the uh, Oasis thing, right? Like, Liam or whatever, he always sings. Like yeah. I mean, especially when you're singing full voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, much more difficult to sing really high notes, like, with a straight head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with falsetto, I don't have a problem singing either. I think maybe when I'm performing, my head just might go up for, like, a dance move or, like, a <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> some sort of move I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know if it's to help me sing or not. but uh,
0: Yeah, because it's supposed to be that I, too, went to one vocal teacher, which was a gigantic mistake, but um, <laughs> she she did teach me a couple things about that. And it's like... In, if you want to uh, project like a higher note, like you curve forward, mm-hmm. so it's interesting that it works. Well, the they probably way.
1: are trying to teach you to think that way, mm-hmm. so that when you're trying to hit a high note, that's your instinct to go down because it's better for you. Yeah. Than what my initial instinct would be, which would be to go up.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. No, that's cool. It's kind of fun knowing these kind of things, like watching a performance with you know a little more. Yeah. <laughs> What's behind the curtain, so to speak, um, internally with with the bands, and uh, that's why I wanted to do this show. Is no, just to is have cool. bring yeah. those kind of conversations out. People hear things differently once they know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know. So, well, good luck with your uh, performance tonight. And Thanks. Your, uh, yeah, Capo it o. is tonight. Yeah, oh, going to be there. No, I, I, I would be there if I was playing it, but. Capitol, you'll see, Capitol Hill Block Party, like South by Southwest, is not Have something that you wanna be at unless <laughs> yeah. if you're a musician. Unless you're playing it, you know. It's I like understand if that. I'm forced to park there. <laughs> i right. will be there. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm sorry about that. But um yeah, good luck with the rest cool. of your party. Thank tour you very too. much. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks again to John and Luke from Great Good Fine OK. Pretty impressive little synth pop group they've put together there. Touring all over the country this summer. They're playing The Echo uh, for the end of their West Coast tour tonight, July 27th uh, in Los Angeles. And then they're back in uh, the East Coast playing Philadelphia on August 13th and winding up in New York city on august 26th playing the rocks off concert cruise series so go check them out great guys great band that's it for today thanks for listening until the next episode